0: Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. The Running Club officially runs five nights a week at
1: seven o'clock although annoyingly some members seem to regard the start time as a free-for-all. Of course, I run every day, rain or shine, but not everyone is quite as dedicated. Lottie runs three nights, Monday, Wednesday and Thursday, because those are the nights that Piers, who is an obstetrician or gynecologist or whatever you want to call it, is generally home on time. Fifteen laps of the purpose-built 400-metre running track, Olympic size, that backs onto the same scrubland that nestles the sand dunes at the southern end of Esperance Beach. We meet at the water fountain and then we begin, in formation, I am the fastest of the females with a lap record of 119 seconds, so I'm always ahead of the pack. I have to be if I want to feel the burn. The only person who doesn't seem to have any routine is Shelby. She shows up when and if she wants to. There's no rhyme or reason to it. She marches to the beat of her own drum in that arrogant way she has, like the world owes her a giant favour. She will stride out front or wait until we're half of a lap ahead before she starts so she doesn't have to talk to anyone. It's incredibly rude. So is all this talk of recruiting runners a roundabout way of you asking me to join the running club again? Max slices through a green apple and offers me an indulgent smile. Well, all the other husbands are involved, as you know, I say coyly. I don't want to pressure him. But it might be a little low energy compared to what you normally do. I might stick to surfing, he says, and pats my behind. It's more my scene. What's more, Max's scene is keeping to himself. He finds the husband and wife cliques of Esperance a little too much to bear. We see them for drinks. I don't want to work out with them too, he says. I'd be lying if I said it didn't hurt a little, but I'm the only wife who can't persuade her husband to accompany her on the running track. Still, no matter. If I'm honest, I don't particularly want Max to see me all beetroot and flushed with sweat patches left, right and centre. It's not exactly sexy, is it?
0: Hello and welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Ali Lowe has written for bridal magazines, parenting titles, websites and newspapers in London and in Australia. Ali's first novel, The Trivia Night*, was published in 2022. But today, I'm joined by Ali Lowe to talk about her new novel, The Running Club. Ali, welcome to The Good Reading Podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Your story takes place in Esperance, a fictional place somewhere on Sydney's northern beaches. What kind of place is Esperance?
1: It's kind of like the northern beaches on steroids, as it were. So a place that's very sort of insular. Um, I mean, we call the northern beaches the insular peninsula, as you might know, Um, And um, it's kind of a place like that that's very sort of, um, everyone knows each other's business. You know, you can't walk down the street without bumping into someone you know. Um, But with Esperance, it's a perfect suburb, so it's a little like kind of desperate housewives or Stepford, it, you know, Wisteria Lane or Stepford. It's this perfect place where um, appearances are everything. So you know, white picket fences, think you know, stripy lawns, um, marble water fountains, um, you know, designer cars, designer clothes, everything like that. It's 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 a perfect place, and I wanted to create this this idea of you know perfection um, being a very sort of um, you know shallow thing and and you know the idea that behind closed doors things may not be as as aesthetically pleasing as you know they may be on the outside.
0: And we can't talk about Esperance without talking about Shivers Beach. Now that's quite a contrast isn't it?
1: Yeah it is. I wanted to show a contrast between um, this perfect suburb and Shivers Beach which is a kind of very rundown suburb where, um, you know, perhaps there's a lot of crime. Things aren't quite as perfect as they are in Esperance. Well, not by long shot. And these two suburbs are separated by about 30 kilometers. Um, yet there's incredible amount of overlap as you will see a lot of these people the the people from Esperance um, and the people from Shivers Beach have an overlapping history that sort of comes to the fore in the middle of the book yeah Shivers Beach is at the the other end of the peninsula to Esperance and it's in a very different suburb so it is um, you know perhaps a little more kind of crime ridden not as aesthetically pleasing as Esperance and not considered to be as as well to do as Esperance Um, And a lot of my characters come from Shivers Beach and have kind of moved their way up in the world, as it were, to live in Esperance. And this is where some of the problems come. And as the book progresses, you realise the extent of this, because they all share sort of high school secrets that they've taken into adulthood. And even though they've buried them under this perfect facade, they've started to bubble to the surface. And that's when things start to go wrong.
0: The Running Club is a really character-driven novel. Let's talk about some of those characters. The female characters first.
1: Well, they're all very different. I mean, in, t- in terms of their sort of um, obsession with appearance and everything being perfect, they're very similar. Um, but really what makes them tick is incredibly different. Um, we have Carol, who is sort of the queen bee of the running club. So she set up the running club. And Carol is very, uh, what she's obsessed with money, and she's very much in love with her husband, Max. And, you know, she, they have daughters at a very posh private school. And everything is, is is very perfect for Carol. Carol is not a very likable character. So she is the one that actually had the most fun writing because she's so awful to everyone. and She's so rude. Um, but I just love getting into her head. But the thing with Carol is that she is actually deep down and as the book progresses you realize that you know Carol's got some redeeming characteristics and she's not just this awful flawed person that you may think at the beginning of the book Um, but she drives the running club and she brings these women together and the other women are her best friend Lottie and Lottie's twin sister Shelby and much of the action of the book centers around the relationship between the other women and Shelby who is the kind of slightly offbeat, slightly um, different to the mould of Esperance, twin sister of Lottie.
0: I read something quite interesting about Lottie and Shelby, the, the twins who only have their umbilical cord in common.
1: They do. And also they were born on separate days. So Shelby was born first on a Tuesday night and then came Lottie on a Wednesday. And if you remember the old poem, I think it was, you know, the Monday's child is of face, Tuesday's child is full of grace and Wednesday's child is full of woe. And I kind of wanted to play on this idea that Lottie was full of woe because Lottie is the twin who has lots of insecurities. She's a Stepford wife. She worries about looking after her husband. She worries about everything. But Shelby is you know, the, the better looking of the twins. She's the more confident. She's Tuesday's child. She's full of grace, but she's full of pizzazz and energy. And I wanted to have this kind of juxtaposition between these two twins and how their relationship kind of falters because of this.
0: And then, of course, there's Freya and Marilla.
1: Freya is um, a friend of Lottie's and Carol's. She's sort of somewhere in between. And she comes into the story because she is um, linked to Lottie through high school, but also linked to Carol through school. So she leaves Lottie's high school at some point because her dad gets a better job and she goes to Carol's high school. So she's linked to the two places, Esperance and Shivers Beach, and she's linked to the two women. And she is kind of like the best friend to both of them. And she also has a flawed relationship with Shelby. And then Morella is the one who was always in the background at high school, um, who kind of is the aspiring Esperance um, personality. She wants to be like the other women, yet she sort of despises them in, in a way because of how you know, image-obsessed they are. And so there's this kind of strange uh, combination of wanting to be it but kind of passionately hating it as well. Um, but really the, the idea of wanting to be part of that group is, is, is the most overpowering aspect to her personality.
0: And, of course, your book moves from the present into the past, and I guess it's the difference between those two moments in time. That's where some of the resentments bubble up to the surface.
1: Absolutely. I think um you know all of us would remember high school incidents that have left us you know with with bad memories or whatever or may have impacted us slightly. But these women do, and they carry them into their adult life. And, and so as the book progresses, you do realise that these things that have happened to them in high school have impacted their modern lives and, and perhaps some of the relationships they have that have caused insecurity in their modern life. Um, but I did love the idea of having one of the, the characters set, in, you know, telling their story through high school eyes, because then it, it was, you know, gave me... Um, a method of uh, showing how their kind of relationships had unfurled through the years and how it had an impact on today's story.
0: There seems to be a rather unhealthy obsession with branded clothing and accessories, and that actually includes the men. They seem to be mainly engaged as manual labor or perhaps even manual lovers. <laughs> Tell me about the men.
1: Um the men oh gosh the men um yes well in particular max is probably the main oh, oh, max and piers are the two the, the two main male characters in the book and max is very his money is everything to Max and he is Carol's husband. So that's no surprise really. And money makes their world go round. But Max was born and raised in Shivers beach and has moved up in the world to Esperance, married Carol, married into money. And so there's always this slight insecurity with him that he may lose it and he doesn't want to. So he almost kind of wears his, um, his, his finances on his sleeves. He's got the watches. He's got the designer suits. He's, you know, pretty much obsessed with everything that denotes his wealth
0: he drives a Porsche too, I think, doesn't he?
1: He does, yeah, he does. Oh, no, and he's ordered a Maserati, yeah. So he's he's got the designer gear and and that sort of makes him tick and he's very happy to work for Carol's father and um, in, in his company that he's had for years and sort of trade off the back of the family money. Piers is an obstetrician um Piers comes from old money so he is but he's very good friends with Max so all these people have kind of united by their love of money and their love of the finer things in life but yet they all have very different backgrounds and like I said earlier these all you know they kind of come to the fore these differences between them that cause this kind of ultimate kind of crescendo that ends up in um in a body being discovered um, somewhere on the running track or behind the running track
0: Where there's murder, there's got to be motivation for murder. What might be the motivation for murder in such a well-heeled place like Esperance?
1: Well... I think money, because however much money you've got in a place like that and, and however much money these characters have got, they always want more. But I do think that, um, you know, it could be revenge. I mean, I don't want to give away what my motive for the murder of the person is or people, or person, who knows. Um, but, you know, general motives might be in a place like Esperance, revenge, money, bitterness about past experiences or past interactions between characters um love you know those would be my my three sort of suggestions as to to why someone in Esperance might want to um, bump someone off
0: is it the case of enough money is never enough
1: I think so. I think it is an Esperance. I mean, particularly with Max and Carol, Um, you know, it's leading the good life, but kind of wanting to fill up that pot as much as you can and not just for their own personal reasons, but for the way it makes them look. And I think to them, it's almost like a bit of a, um, a hobby collecting and and being the best and having the biggest house on the street and having the best clothes and the biggest and the best car. And Max is on a waiting list for his Maserati, you know, and he's about to pick it up um, at the beginning of the book. And, you know, it's just a, a case of collecting toys, really, and not realising what life is like for people outside of this sort of insular suburb.
0: And I suppose when you link money with jealousy, then you've got
1: fireworks. Exactly, you've got a recipe for disaster, which, um, as you'll find out in the running club, that that definitely ignites.
0: Everyone's so socially mobile, and they seem so psychologically unstable. I I wondered whether any of them or all of them could benefit from the services of a good psychologist.
1: Well, they do. <laughs> so there is Jane, the psychologist in the book. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's this idea that they all go and get their own um, problems ironed out after they've had their um soy lattes in the morning. Off they go and they pop to see Jane and she sorts them out. And then off they go on their merry way. So, yeah, there's definitely a few psychological bumblings under there. But it has to be really in a book like this, because if they're all completely normal and living Esperance, then no one would end up bumped off and there'd be no books. So. <laughs>
0: Of course, the people of Esperance are also involved in some charity work, the Shivers Beach Soup Kitchen and the Mooney Waters Women's Shelter. What's charity work got to do with murder in Esperance?
1: Oh, well, it's all appearances. So charity work has nothing to do with helping people less fortunate. It's all to do with, I have a spare day. What am I going to do to be seen to be giving? Because I earn so much money, or I've not earned so much money, I have so much money, and this is what I'm going to do with my free day. Because that's what the dumb thing is amongst these groups of women. Um, and the way that they're sort of connected um, to charity, really, or to the, the, the charity shop in Esperance is Morella. Morella runs it. So she is a Shivers Beach, born and bred um, person. She she now runs the, the charity shop where um, Carol and co drop off their designer wares when they've finished with them, which is probably after a couple of wares. Um, and um, and Morella kind of sits in there and observes them all from um, this place of not as much privilege as they have.
0: The Running Club doesn't really fit into the popular noir genres going around at the moment. Desert noir, domestic noir. And maybe that's because there's a thread of humour running through the story, and especially in the observations of the characters. If you had to, where would you place the running club, genre-wise?
1: Someone described it to me as suburban noir, which I kind of like. If I had to pinpoint it, I'd probably say say suburban noir with with dark humour. If that's a bit of a long name for a genre, isn't it? But that would probably be what I'd I'd say.
0: What's the role of humour in such a dark storyline?
1: Well, for me, I think it's providing light relief. And um, I think that's really important. And I think I'm quite a sort of lighthearted person. I love to read thrillers and I love to watch, you know, true crime podcast, you know, listen to true crime podcasts and watch true crime stuff on TV. But I'm still quite a light person in my everyday life. And if I am watching something, reading something, I really love to laugh. Like I love Jessica Detman's books, for example, because she's just, you know, she'll have quite a, a serious story of like family angst, but then she will thread it with so much humor that just makes you laugh. And I really love that. That, and I wanted that to to be a big theme of The Running Club so you're kind of going along this sort of suburban noir or domestic noir or however you want to categorize it route but you stumble across something that's quite funny and I have a, a, a scene where there's a funeral at um in The Running Club and I really wanted that to be quite light and a bit silly and um, just so the reader who's going on this journey who you know after a murder then kind of goes into something that's a little bit like, oh, so I can breathe. So you're not like spiked adrenaline the whole way through the book. So you kind of get to a point where you're actually like, oh, that's quite funny. And, you know, it's not a horrendously depressing kind of thing. Um, and I think that's really important. And I, I made sure that that was a big theme of the trivia night as well. And that was my debut novel, um, that, that they were funny. And, and I've just completed edits on the third book and submitted to my agent the fourth book. And in both of those, I've made sure that humour is, is a big, a big thing.
0: My final question is really about uh, movie options. And as I understand it, the trivia night's been optioned by a Hollywood film studio. In your dreams, who would you cast in the major roles of The Running Club?
1: Oh, well, actually, it's funny you should say that because I did have stuck to my wall pictures of people who I wanted to play various roles, just as kind of mood board when I was um, writing the novel. And I can't actually remember all of them, but I remember I had Sarah Snook, who's in succession, Australian actress. Um, and she just plays the best kind of sort of lovable villain, and I thought she would be amazing for Carol, because Carol's not necessarily a, a villain up the front of the at the front of the book. She's just a bit unlikable, but Sarah just plays that you know role so very well. Um, so she was one of them. And then I was just, oh, Hemsworth would just be incredible, wouldn't
0: it? He'd uh, <laughs> fit right in, I'm sure.
1: Oh, I think so. I think he'd be a fantastic Max, actually. Don't you?
0: Ali, thank you for joining me on The Good Reading Podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Greg. It's great to be here.
0: I've been talking to Ali Lowe about her new book, The Running Club. It's published by Hodder and Stoughton, and you can find it at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs, and thanks for listening. Subscribe to Good Reading Print and Online Magazine at goodreadingmagazine.com.au.